0: Welcome to the still untitled Glass Tire Pod. I'm Neil Farso, and I'm very excited today to have my dear friend and absolute legend, Veronica Ortuño, joining us. Hi, Veronica. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Veronica is the founder and owner of Las Cruces, which is a boutique and art gallery and community space that puts on many different events ranging from chess night to women's groups to concerts. Um, They've hosted several amazing art shows of which a couple I have written about, one for Ashley Thomas, one for Charles Zhang. There was one, a really great one that I wish I had written about, Andy Colquitt that was earlier this year. Veronica also has an interiors company called Casa Veronica that's doing some very interesting things. Uh, she has put on many memorable events in Austin and other places and really there's kind of nothing she can't do. So Veronica, um, (laughs) one of the things that,
1: (laughs) what a validating introduction. um,
0: So one of, uh, one of the things that impresses me about you is that you have kind of a seemingly preternatural sense of taste that it's. Very fluid and effortless in terms of your selection and curation from everything from your own personal style to you know what you choose to put on at Las Cruces, what you choose to stock, what events you organize, etc. And but obviously it's not you know there is a development with that. It's not just like you you know hugged the Pope when you were five and then you were just down with like Miyaki and Mishima. <laughs> I, <laughs> that is a real. That is a real thing for the listeners. There is a picture
1: that, that is of, a real story. of Veronica
0: hugging Pope John Paul II, and it's a very charming, adorable photo. But so let's let's talk a little bit about just kind of your development aesthetically in terms of how you kind of came to. I don't want to use the word brand. I would just say it's kind of your vision, you know, of how you came into that.
1: Yeah, I would say it's more of a vision for sure. Um, I think it really ultimately just comes down to intuition and just really being drawn by things that are very sincere to me. Um, And yeah, I just feel like that can be anything from movies to music to art um, to the people you meet, the friends you have. So I'm really driven by that, by people's sincerity and people being genuine. And so I feel like that really drives what, as far as curation goes, I feel like that's the first step of like me feeling something good, like some sort of good energy or feeling like someone will, will meet me halfway. Um, Cause you know, a lot of times, like I feel like in my past I was giving so much of myself where I would just exhaust myself and I didn't feel like people were being as supportive or helping out. So I think that's a big thing for me where it's very balanced and equal. And, um, yeah, I would just say that that is a, is a main factor, but as far as the development of aesthetics, I mean, I'm just so, I feel like you nailed it when you said that it's very fluid I feel like I'm so inspired by so many different things, and uh, I'm never closed off to new experiences or uh, finding out about new music or films. Or I'm a very open person.
0: Yeah, and so how? I mean, how did you kind of start curating things? You know, be it in terms of organizing events, or you know, in terms of buying used clothing that then, you know, was selected for, you know, kind of a boutique selection, et cetera. Like how how did you begin doing that?
1: So I started off by being in bands when I first moved to Austin in 2003. So I was uh-huh. doing music for, I mean, pretty heavily for about 10, nine to 10 years of my life. And through starting bands, uh, you know, I would book all my tours with my bandmates and I would organize shows in Austin where, you know, a lot of your friends come through town. So that's where it really started. Um, I was doing these annual shows during around South by Southwest. Yeah. During South by Southwest where it was like an mm-hmm. anti South by Southwest show where people would pay five bucks to watch 23 bands as opposed to, you know, paying that enormous fee to get the, 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 badge and then, you know, just going to only certain shows. So I was putting on lots of those. And then um, I would say that's where the curation started. Um, but once I mm-hmm. started doing the sh- uh, the store, I knew that I wanted to have like an art gallery kind of facet to it. And so I got pretty serious about hosting mostly my friends. I mean, I started off hosting my friends art. Uh, Michaela Bowman was my first uh, our exhibition when we first opened Las Cruces back in October of 2011. Um, so I, I really do have these connections with everyone that I work with, whether it's I met them through music or I, you know, met them while I was on tour or on the road or they're friends of friends. So it, it really is just, that's how it started. R- right. Yeah.
0: And what were the, what were uh, some of your band's names?
1: So my first, very first band was called The Tigers, and we were just a straight-up punk band that I sang in. Um, After that came Finally Punk, which is an all-female band that was inspired by Riot Girl and post-punk. Then The Carrots started shortly after that, which was a soul, 60s throwback kind of band band. love that i mean i loved all the bands that i did they were they're all very different and and fun um mutating meltdown where i drummed that was like an art punk band i was also drumming in a noise band called white dog i
0: Mm, did good name
1: (laughs) did bass and backing vocals for uh chain and the gang uh, ian spinonius's kind of psych rock band
0: Oh yeah, I love that band. Yeah, yeah that's great. That um, that's really cool. Yeah, I remember I was looking on your Instagram. I guess when he came through recently, there was a bunch of pictures of you and Ben with Ian S- Savonius. Um, he's a, he's an interesting dude. A wonderful person. Uh, you should
1: interview him for for your podcast sometime. That
0: would be awesome. Yeah, I would love to do that. He's a he wrote he's a really amazing writer. He wrote an essay about Ike and Tina Turner. That's Amazing. He's written an essay about Seinfeld. It's really good. Yeah, he's like he's a very just that would be great. such a
1: remarkable um, and dynamic person. But yeah, so I toured with that band. Um I, I was I think that was the last act- active band that I was in, only because after those tours, uh we did two, I did one European tour with them and then we did the US. And then Las Cruces hmm. started right after that. So, you know, time kind of shrunk drastically as far as like doing creative endeavors outside of the the store so the store kind of became like my like I created this little universe within it where I still felt like I was being creative and I was still being able to support my friends doing creative things
0: right yeah and I mean I I think that that makes a lot of sense you telling me this now and I, I knew that but not in the detail that we've just gone into of, of doing kind of all various you know punk and DIY projects mm-hmm. because it kind of links up to when I was interviewing the guy that was the composer for that fugazi opera that played in Austin um a couple weeks ago that Sean from Colab yeah. put on which was a very very intense experience <laughs> but uh interesting show mm-hmm. um it's I was sad that I not missed it actually to me that, Yeah I couldn't get anyone to go with me I had an extra ticket I was in Detroit (laughs) at the time No one would uh, Yeah yeah no one would uh, come through But um, When I was interviewing Travis Jess The composer of that He said a line that I found uh, Very germane Of the kind of Vitality of Sort of punk and DIY things Extending far beyond Whatever the aesthetics of it Are which is that the thing that he got from Fugazi because he was like an obsessive collector of mm-hmm. Fugazi Live Tapes was that y- you cannot rely on anyone to give you your culture you have to make it yourself and that that is kind of the essence I think of DIY things and that's certainly what you have done with with Las Cruces is that you know there is kind of this gap in Austin that you know you have filled for a lot of different things in terms of you know music and yeah and i feel like being in those and things like that
1: yeah and being you know so young when you're 18 and 19 which is when i started my bands i mean those are still very formative years of your life and so you know Mm -hmm. being able to network with so many different people doing so many different things um and just feeling supported by one another it just felt It felt real not only really good but it just it there was that really strong sense of community you know and Mm -hmm. that's always been a thread in everything that I do where it's just so important for me to support people um and you know and yeah sometimes it's really good and then sometimes it it backfires but um overall I just feel like I want the space to be I want Las Cruces to be a place where people can feel included and don't feel, um, uh, what's the right word? Like where they're not, I just want it to be a very welcoming and inviting space for ev- everyone and anyone.
0: Um, yeah, I think that is, that is very, uh, comes through very clearly in, in Las Cruces. I remember one of the things that she put on is uh, Las Cruces in the actual location on East 12th and then also now it seems like now when you're doing events it's m- music events it's especially if it's going to be kind of like a party like techno it might be a kind of tropical or mm-hmm. somewhere unless the store is that something you've kind of moved in that direction just because it makes sense uh logistically but a while back you had put on uh a party where tracks great Chicago uh producer played and you know, it really did. I was a little bit young, um, for, you know, the quote unquote Midwestern rave scene. I was born in 1982, but it was happening when I was a little kid. Mm. I was kind of aware of it. And I, I lived in the country and I would, uh, you know, sometimes in the middle of summer, I'd sleep with the windows open, and they would throw raves in like the cornfields by my house, wow. and I would hear like house music com- coming over the cornfields, and <laughs> go wake up really in the middle nice. of night and go listen to it. <laughs> and so that's why I've loved house music, I guess, since I was a little kid. But mm-hmm. um, that party, it definitely, you know, it felt like oh, this is, must have been what it was like, you know, back in the late '80s and the early '90s. You know, just going to basement parties and warehouse parties, and it was it was just it was such a diverse, interesting crowd and everyone was cool, everyone was having so much fun. It reminded me of when I saw Big Freedia at a club in New Orleans mm-hmm. called Siberia. Mm-hmm. Um, and a similar thing where I just went in and it was just all types of people, everyone having fun. I just, it's like, this like, this is what I want. This is what my, this is the scene I wanna be a part of, you know, right. is exactly as you said, where it's like everyone feels welcome, everyone is included. And And just unifying people, you know,
1: uniting everyone. mm -hmm. And it's even more beautiful when it can be something like music and art. Um, But yeah, that Mm -hmm. show was particularly probably my favorite show that we put on last year. We had just moved into our new spot over there on 12th Century Cone. And um, yeah, that that I just felt like the energy was so good. Everyone was dancing, having a good time. There was like no fighting or bickering and i mean i definitely went to like another universe just by the music alone um bill yeah it was amazing everyone caught the wave on that one yeah i mean i yeah, bill legendary yeah amazing techno dj um he actually said something really profound that i think about quite often actually and you know he had just his set had just finished that night And I was like, oh, my God, that he I felt like he had transported me to another realm. It was so powerful. And I went up to him and I was like, Bill, how did you do that? I like grabbed him by the arm and said, how did you do that? And he simply just said, it's the art of mixing. And I just think about how beautiful (laughs) that statement is. I mean, so simple, but I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like that also pertains into what I do. Like it is. You're
0: exactly. I was actually just about to, to say that, but that's totally true. The art of mixing, it's yeah. It's the art of I mean, mixing. That's definitely and, what,
1: and I would say yeah. that aesthetically, I mean, it is. I mean, it's hard to really blend so many different facets or, um, you know, meet whether it's mediums or whatever it is that you're doing. It's really hard to mix things and make them feel really balanced. Um, and I feel that we try really hard at Las Cruces to like make everything work, like the make the the retail side of like the fashion be just as important as the music aspect and the shows, and the music be just as important as the art exhibitions that we put on. So, yeah, it's it's uh it is the art of mixing.
0: Yeah, that's um that's a great way of putting it. Um, so let's talk a little bit now in terms of what you've been doing in Detroit and kind of your interiors Mm -hmm. thing. So why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that and how that has sort of come to be?
1: So I've always been interested in interiors and interior design in general. I think that's mostly because as a kid, my mom was always re re redecorating or reorganizing the living room you know my dad passed away when we were pretty young and uh, she was a single parent for about six years and those six years of us just being with a single parent uh, were really important and they have influenced me a lot and I just remember my mom constantly moving things around just like making our environment feel very comforting and so I want to say that that was definitely the start of my interest in like oh well you can create like really beautiful spaces and you know I just have these vi- these like really vivid visions of my mom like constantly rearranging the sofa and having flowers or moving the table a certain way you know it's just like these really deep moments from my childhood um and so Fast forward to now, it was something that I've always been interested in doing, but I never took it. It wasn't that I didn't never took it seriously, but other things kind of came before, like being in bands or starting a business. So, um, having Las Cruces, due to like the followers on Instagram, um, I started this hashtag called Las Cruces Interiors, where I essentially just post inspirations of like interior spaces that I really like and a mutual Mm -hmm. friend Graham who is my client had seen this hashtag and offered me to come up to Detroit to work on a few of his spaces he owns a music venue there called L Club who are doing really amazing stuff right now as well um, and asked that I do their like offices and a private events lounge I'm also simultaneously working on his home and they're hoping to open an, a second like bar and cafe nearby where they also mm. have like workshops and studio spaces for people in the community so it's a really so big like for, project for artists and- exactly for for artists and musicians but but yeah i mean you know i've been doing it it was my first Quote unquote, like professional interior design gig. I took some online classes to learn CAD drawings, like computer animated design. Uh, I learned how to do that and I kind of just jumped into it full throttle. And it's been, you know, it's really, it's, it's, I'm learning a lot and it can be really intense at times, but I'm like so grateful to have this opportunity. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, now with how things are moving in Austin. I don't know how long we'll have the space beyond our five-year lease you know so i'm just trying to think ahead of like what can i do after those five years that's you know a sustainable career as well
0: yeah and how do you how do you find um this 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 scene creatively in detroit i've actually never been to detroit i really want to go you would love it and it has yeah it has such a interesting cultural history um So how are you finding Detroit in, you know, the last couple of years, 2017, 2018, like being there? It definitely seems like it's kind of bouncing back a little bit from when, you know, it had that really bleak, especially bleak period where they had to declare bankruptcy and get bailed out by, you know. So so what is the scene in Detroit?
1: I see a lot of the same comparisons as Austin. I mean, there's a lot of areas, uh, you know, being revitalized and just like, so many people coming, moving into Detroit because it's still very cheap right now so people are buying mm-hmm. property and flipping it as fast as possible so I mean there's a lot of similarities between Austin and Detroit but the scene there is really incredible I feel you know there's a lot of people just really supporting one one another there and it doesn't seem very uh, segregated I mean I'm only there for like a week or two weeks out of every month so it may be different mm-hmm. when i'm not there but i feel that every but that's a
0: lot of time <laughs> it actually. is it is You're actually definitely is definitely putting in some time <laughs> in detroit yeah
1: it's really cool <laughs> because i have my set of friends there now where i feel like every time i go back i just get closer to people and it's mm-hmm. it's just wild to kind of have this double life somewhere else but i've been able to connect with you know certain people from detroit and you know talked about maybe collaborating or having some hosting something for them here in Austin so I just feel like Mm. things happen I'm a strong believer in things happening the way that they're supposed to and in this sense I feel like I'm able to make a community there or you know be a part of a community there that's really supportive and also be able to support people in Austin, too, if that, you know, if that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like a lot of people are doing, you know, dance parties there. There's a night on Sunday nights that I like to go to at Motor City Wine where old house DJs go there. It's called Beautiful Sunday. And they, you know, there'll be like 50, 60 year old house DJs just playing the sickest music and everyone of all ages in different demographics or they're dancing it's like the best night ever so i always really look forward that sounds to,
0: amazing yeah i always yeah, just look that forward sounds incredible. to incredible i love stuff like that yeah that's like uh last time i was in i was in new york i wanted to go to one of those Nicky siano parties in uh long island city but it, i don't know it somehow didn't happen but apparently that's a similar vibe there too you know just like absolutely all I, like you know boomers and everything like that just Mm -hmm. dancing having a blast with young hipsters and stuff it's cool you know yeah or that likewise is kind of like
1: or the dj plays ymo or arthur russell and then there's like a 70 year old dancing his ass off you know to music that's (laughs) you can relate to you know now in modern time but you're Mm -hmm. like whoa that's wild that the 70 year old person can get down to this just as much as i would you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's great um well yeah and and i remember when you told me this stuff happening in detroit and i i was kind of struck by a phrase that i now sort of use kind of as an aphorism when talking with other people that you know have creative aspirations whether that may be you know they're an artist or a musician or a writer or they're trying to do some sort of curatorial thing you know, having a space or organizing things or starting a record label or whatever, which is your vision is your wealth, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, that's what you believe in your vision. That's your wealth. That's what you have. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to ask you, like, from a practical standpoint, you know, what, what do you think, what are the practices that you think you do to really maximize that, to like really honor your vision and maximize its ability to actually you know actualize itself and become real so like this is something you know Casa Veronica you're interested Mm. in interiors and then it happened you know Mm -hmm. it's now happening and you're doing it so you know obviously some of that is just going to be right place right time for fortune and stuff like that but it's also a lot of hard work (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean I
1: work probably 366 days a year eight days a week you know it's it really is I feel like passion is a, is a very important you know uh, thing to own and when you really believe in something whatever it is that you you do you just have to understand that you have to take you know you're gonna have to go through some sacrifices and a lot of hard work um so mm-hmm. for me you know I've I've had two to three jobs, you know, whether it's like waitressing, bartending, DJing gigs on the side. I mean, I've always had multiple jobs with anything that I do up until um, this January, I became freelance so that I could allow for room for me to do this interior design job. But balancing, I mean, the business, Las Cruces and balancing an interior design job as well as is a full-time job so i just think that working really hard um just really pays off and not complaining if you can help it not complaining about your job or (laughs) what you do and loving what you do i mean i think you really have to if you're not loving what you do i think that you know maybe you're maybe you're wasting your time but i don't know that Mm -hmm. sounds a little selfish but i just feel like People should love what they do. No, I mean, do. I think it's true. You know, I just think that people need to just love what they do. And when you do love what you do, I feel like you're in better spirits. And even that those sacrifices or going through some hardship for a while, like, pale in comparison to just your happiness in general. So I would take working three jobs, you know, over just to do, make my dream happen as opposed to, like, being miserable, you know.
0: Right. And I mean, I think one thing, too, is that if you're as many people creatively are, they're going to have basically a job to make ends meet. Mm. So currently I do that right now, mm-hmm. even though that's not, you know, I'm a manager at a ramen restaurant and that is not, you know, that's not my my vision. It's not like I'm like, oh, OK, one day I'll open my own shop <laughs> and then, you know, go from there. That's not that's not what, you know, drives me. But it's it's just it allows me the the freedom to kind of...
1: It's a stepping stone. The
0: freedom, both the intellectual energy and then the freedom to also, you know, take time off and go on trips to write and that kind of thing. Exactly. And, and do various yeah. things like that. And so... And I am by no means... To, yeah, like,
1: I'm by no means saying, like, if you work a fast food restaurant job, your life's miserable, nothing like that. I'm just saying, if you're wanting to do things or make a profession out of something you really want, you do have to work hard, and that does mean having jobs like that, and you know, being able to sacrifice a lot in order for you to see your goals through, you know, or see your vision through. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and and overall, I feel like I'm doing okay. I don't feel that I've necessarily succeeded in in my vision. I feel like I still I try very hard, and um, you know. It can just keep trying, and I. Well, it's so
0: yeah, right, and it's a pro. You know, it's a process. I mean, it's like I think it's always just good to just to feel like you. You know, you could. There's always but another place to go. There's always another. Exactly. You know, there's a couple. Of, there's a story I love where um, Jay Dilla, you know, had this whole style where he would wrap drumsticks and um, some cloth, and to give this kind of cool watery uh drum sound you know mm-hmm. and so he did that for you know the janet jackson album the velvet rope which is a really underrated album in my opinion and uh you know the d'angelo album and several other things mm-hmm. like that was kind of his sound and he did that with um quest and mm-hmm. that was like kind of their thing and then Questlove says you know he came in one day and he was all ready to keep going you know this kind of watery muffled drum sound and Dillo was just like listening to YMO and uh, Kraftwerk. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, no, no more of that. No more of that. He's like, we gotta go to the future now. We gotta go to the future. And Questlove said, well, why, why are we doing this? He says, cause you gotta be afraid. You know, he's like, I wanna be afraid. I don't wanna feel comfortable, you know? Uh-huh. And I, I love that, that uh, sentiment. I think that's good to feel in a certain way. Uncertainty. And that's the thing, that's kind of the thing. It's like, if you trust your, yeah, if you trust yourself and you trust your your vision, then it's okay to feel afraid and to kind of go into uncertainty, you yeah, know, because it's which, you're in the boat of your vision. It's okay to go into new waters, you exactly. know. And it's it's vital, I think, you know. Yeah, and then, um, you know, and
1: that and that takes a lot of courage too. You know, you keep being being scared and just kind of taking taking charge or moving going into going forward into something that's really scary, you know, and I feel that that's something Mm -hmm. that I've always kind of I've never restricted myself I've kind of lived by you know you can try something and if it doesn't work out that's okay it didn't work out you tried it and now you can move on and do the other thing so I've never been even though I'm pretty hard at myself when I fail at things I don't I mean I'm sure everyone is but I'm okay mm-hmm. at failing. I'm I'm I've gotten to be pretty good at just accepting like okay maybe you're not so good at that particular thing. So why don't you just try something else and maybe that will be will make you
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a really good uh kind of place to be and an ability to have because it's people you know it's definitely you, you can get wrapped up and stuff and it can, you know, really hit you hard if it doesn't work out and it's good just to be in the mode where it's okay, you know, yeah. on to the next thing, or you know, just... it's okay. If it's not, it's not the end of the world. Like if something, you know, unless it's like, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things with movie making is that <laughs> that is a bigger deal. If you if you make oh, yeah. a movie, if you spend four, <laughs> I mean, I have a friend you know, and I'm not going to name him or name what this movie is, but, you know, he he literally spent 10 years making this movie and, you know, it had stars in it and it had a budget of a couple million dollars. and
1: Was it The Room?
0: And it just didn't really go off, you know, <laughs> it was um, just one of those things, you know, and that's like, that's a hard, that's that's really hard. But if it's something like, you know, writing or music or whatever project like that, then it's like, yeah, on to the next thing. Just keep it, right. keep it going, you know. And um, maybe
1: that's why I'm not a filmmaker.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. already I know, doing a
1: store is is just so expensive, you know. I guess that's another yeah, thing, sure. too, is, is, I mean, I went, I started the store with a loan a friend gave me of $3,000. That's how the store started. And everything else I've had. That's to, amazing. I've had to just work, you know, work really hard to just... Get it to the place where it needs to be, and of course, I've had you know a lot of support from you know my husband Ben and and family and people just volunteering their time. Like it's just been so mm-hmm. much support. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just everything. You you just need money now to make anything happen, and it's really frustrating. Um, yeah, you know, I've someone y- just hit yeah. me to uh, to cultural funding from the city, so. We just went through that whole like grueling application process. It's incredibly comprehensive and it took, I don't know, like four weeks to do. But, you know, there's resources out there that can help you out. So I'm hoping that that goes. What properly. Have you
0: have you heard back on that yet or is it still kind of yeah, out that you're waiting to see? We
1: had our peer review um, not last week, but the week before that. And it went really well. They were impressed. That's great. Yeah, they were really impressed by our programming and... Um, Hopefully you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It went really well, but I also don't I'm trying to learn not to be not to assume anything. Sure. So uh yeah, they gave really yeah. good feedback. Well, that's great. I mean Yeah.
0: That's great. Well definitely for I mean, you know, if I was mayor of Austin, I would just have a byline in the budget that said Veronica. It was like a million dollars. Just give, <laughs> give give Veronica a million dollars a year and let her do whatever she wants. Um, That's too sweet. So yeah, so hopefully that I I really hope that works out. That would be great. Um, so uh, why don't we end with just uh, you just tell me some stuff, whatever art, music fashion film anything that you've recently been into that struck you as inspiring um it can be anything you know interiors whatever uh that is you know you found to be interesting
1: well we started carrying uh books at the store now so we're gonna start carrying books we started carrying books
0: which is great yeah i highly to anyone listening i highly recommend if you haven't been to las cruces go there it's a great store they sell Very cool clothes. None of them, I can't really browse the clothes at Las Cruces because they're not really in Tommy Bahama sizes, (laughs) but they're very, they're very cool. Uh, They have great records. Well, we just got 69
1: uh, and they're, I feel like their clothes is like oversized so that it can fit. Oh, okay. So maybe
0: next time I'm in Austin, I'll check that out. Oh, remember you
1: saw that, uh, that jumper that you were like, well, was that you that liked the jumper? No, it was probably someone else, but yeah there's
0: mm, i don't know but yeah
1: yeah clothes
0: uh but yeah there's a lot of cool books at last cruises right now that there's i i want if they're still around the next time i go to austin i want to try to get some of those mishima paperbacks that you all have which is very cool yeah. and you have some very cool interior yeah so that's books, what i was Caribbean gonna say style, is I've been... japanese style mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah just really into um the interiors books getting back into just really delving into that um because, I mean, working on site at the uh, at, for my client and stuff, you don't have too much time mm-hmm. to really uh, read or look over things. I mean, you're just working constantly. So, I've been really inspired, again, by all my interiors books that I have. Um, I, oh, you know, today is Frida Kahlo's birthday, and I was just looking at mm. one of her photo books that I have last week. Oh, cool. Yeah, really beautiful Um She's been a huge inspiration for me since I was, you know, young. Yeah,
0: her her, uh, photographs that she took herself.
1: Yeah, so photographs of her, like chronicling her life and then just rare photos that Uh you don't really see of her. Um, oh
0: yeah cool yeah. yeah that sounds great
1: and then music have
0: you go ahead have you been to her house in in uh, mexico city have you ever been to her house and
1: i have uh, yeah i went while i was yeah it's
0: very cool yeah with and how diego rivera and her have those two separate houses the catwalk between them to go see each other i love so that so
1: beautiful such a beautiful <laughs> space yeah uh, i went on a solo trip to mexico city a few years back and that was on my list um yeah, so that, uh, music wise, trying to, I'm just really obsessed with the Cockdoo twins again. I mean, I, I can't stop mm-hmm. listening to them and the Marine Girls. Uh Marine Girl I, I don't know if you're familiar with Oh yeah, with Marine the Marine, Marine,
0: Girls. Marine Girls are great. Yeah, that's um Tracy Thorne's band before yes. Everything But the Girl, right? Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. So That's great. Incredible, really great. I just yeah. feel
1: that I, I spend so much time with, you know, electronic music and techno and i love it and it's just so nice to kind of also bounce back into other you know like jazz and classical Mm -hmm. and and
0: yeah definitely
1: shoegaze music so yeah that's what i'm into right now i would say and just exercising and swimming
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's great all that sounds good. Well, thanks so much for talking with me. This was great, yeah, and uh, yeah, so hopefully, much. I'll see I'll see you, you and Ben in person soon. Thanks for um, having me. So, oh yeah, of course.
1: You got to come out to Manor soon.
0: I know. I, I want to. I love. I love Manor. It's really. It's a nice country vibe there. So.